Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm having a wonderful weekend. I wish they did it every month. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh man, it was great. I mean, I it was wild, crazy great. The best. This reminded me of the olden days. So the opportunity to come here and spend, you know, an uh, entire weekend with all of my you know, homeopathic idols uh, and all-stars like this has really just been amazing. You know, this is a, like a true fanboy experience, kind of, <laughs> you know, meeting all the people that you've read their books and you follow their, you know, cases. So this has been a great opportunity for me. Just an exciting time for me because to be around those scholars mm -hmm. that have so much to share and that I can learn from, that's exciting for me as well. Uh, I'm from India, so when I was in India, there was so much like good community and right. good thing. But seeing that thing over here, it's really so heartwarming. It's just fun socially. You know, mm -hmm. I get to meet you at the conference and, and, and learn about what you do. And, and it's a way for homeopaths to connect with each other. And we need each other. Yeah. We, we're living in a world that's, you know, we, we're doing our own practice and that can be very isolating sometimes. And we need to come together in a space that feels safe, that feels comfortable, that we speak the same language, that we can talk about anything and, you know, the person next to you understands. I love it. I love it. I'm very impressed. Um, uh, I'm looking for, I mean, all the speaker lineup is, is great. Like, I can't wait to hear the, through the rest of the weekend. So, uh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I know it's only like the first first hour but it's great like um, and just being part of this community you know and mm -hmm. uh, and seeing everyone's path to it and right it's great we're very community oriented people and we feel like we're stronger together we also have a lot of experience and we feel like we should share it and also I feel like our work is amplified by the work of others who learn from us and so if I can teach even one small thing that will inspire a student or a colleague, practitioner to study harder or study in a different way or think about a patient differently or think about a remedy in a new light and it helps another patient. But that is a very satisfying feeling and I feel like it's what people who have more experience should be doing. You've just heard the voices of a student, a world-renowned teacher and practitioner, a scholarship winner, a lifelong self-taught student, a practitioner from India, the founder of a worldwide movement, a third-generation homeopath, and Amy Rothenberg, who, with her husband Paul Herskew, delivered the keynote address at the 2019 Joint American Homeopathic Conference in Baltimore, Maryland. This is a very special episode 51 of 1M, a homeopath podcast. I'm Kelly Callahan, and I can't wait to share this one with you. I spoke with each of these individuals and dozens more when I attended the event this past June for three days of exploring the theme homeopathy and brain health, improving outcomes across the lifespan. For over three days, nearly 400 attendees, as diverse as those introductory voices, came together for community, sharing, learning, networking, teaching, honoring, and reminiscing, all knitted together by a shared passion and commitment to homeopathy. My friend Ellen and I road-tripped from New England to Maryland, a long but doable eight-hour drive. Ellen had been to the conference years before, but for me, it was my first time. Like many attendees, I was showing up in multiple roles. 
a practitioner keen to learn, a community member excited to socialize, a teacher thrilled to connect with students I've only met online, and a podcast host equipped with a fancy new field recorder ready to capture the conference. I'm pretty sure I'm the only person who was there in that role. Others came as practitioners and presenters. The three-day program was packed with high-quality presentations from homeopathic household names like Miranda Castro, Karen Allen, George Dimitriadis, Rajan Sankaran, Amy Rothenberg and Paul Herskew, Denise Strages, Todd Rowe, Iris Bell, and George Vathulkas. And those are just the international heavy hitters. Still another crew was there in an organizational capacity, Practitioners too, but their conference days were booked as well with meetings and committee work. For many, the conference provides the one time per year when a group that meets regularly on Zoom can sit around a table together. It's a time when different organizations can collaborate and meet together. It's where ideas are hatched and new movements are conceived. I spoke with Karen Allen about her experience of collaborating on an organizational level. Honestly, I have to admit that a lot of times at these conferences, I miss a lot of the sessions because I'm in meetings. I, you know, this is the one time when people from all over the country, from Canada, from the U.S., people from out of the country, they're all here where we can meet, where we can talk, because there are a lot of agendas that are very exciting that are happening now. I had a really interesting conversation this morning with Richard Pitt about the data collection that they're doing in Kenya which is part of, they got an EU grant, and they're using a data collection system that's supported by the University of Oslo. And it looks like it's going to adapt very well for us to use for casework in the clinic that we're planning to do for the Trinity Health Hub. I was talking to somebody this morning about one of the first conferences that I came to where Jean Hoagland, who was the president of the NCH at that time, decided to start a brand new group called the Homeopathic Action Alliance, the HAA. Yeah, I just learned about this this weekend. And the HAA was started because we wanted to have all of the different groups that were each in their different silo, the CHC and the HANP and NASH and the AIH and the Homeopathic Vets. And we wanted to have everybody have a conversation together at least once a year to say this is kind of our agenda this is what we're doing and these are where we might find opportunities for collaboration being at the jahc it's an experience of living history but also creating future both in the people that surround you with their decades of experience and the actions that are taking place in that very moment that will affect our community for years to come If the conference is like a confluence of a homeopathic tributary, then two of the most powerful streams are the students and the teachers. It's where we all start as students, and it's how we all ensure the continuing flow by teaching and providing high quality homeopathic instruction for the next generation. The JAHC was chock full of students and teachers from multiple schools, and the conference plays a role not just as an extracurricular activity, but it's almost like a rite of passage into the professional community of homeopathy in the U.S. I touched base with a couple of my own students, Gabby and Robin, from the Academy of Homeopathy Education when they first arrived on Friday, very travel-weary, to see what they were looking forward to. 
get in or have you been here? Um, last night. Okay. Yeah. We drove from Maine. So it was oh my goodness. Really nice long okay. road trip. Well, you want to know our experience? We did the red eye. I know. We just got we here zero like sleep. Oh my god. <laughs> zero sleep. Yeah. So, well, if I'm quiet later, don't take offense by it. I'm just really loud. <laughs> yeah. So, Feeling it in my bones right now more than anything. <laughs> God. It's a keynote, right? Characteristic keynote. Keynote. Like, I feel it in my bones. Oh, I know. Keynote oh, symptom. <laughs> rare I know. You always are such like first year students. Like, yeah. <laughs> 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 Guys, excited to be here? Yeah. But I don't want to miss anything. Yeah. What are you looking forward to? Oh, man. I'm looking forward to taking a lot of notes. And it's really cool because there's four speakers from Arizona, so I like want to see them all, but they're all talking at the same time or like at the same time as other people I want to see. So I don't know how many I'll be able to see, but it's cool to see future collaborators and like colleagues and then like in the area. Yeah. Yeah. Go to Iris Bell's thing. Yeah. That's what I'm really excited for. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, we already planned it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just all highlighted and blocked out. Yes. Nice. But her first one is at the same time as Denise, and so we're like, okay, gotta see Denise. But then she's going and doing the same presentation at like 2.15 tomorrow. Oh. So. Throughout the weekend, I met with several students from different schools and loved hearing about their backgrounds, experiences, and especially their enthusiasm for the profession ahead of them. My name is Sheba Masood, and um, I'm actually from Virginia, and um, currently I'm a student at um, National School of International, and um, it's my, I just finished my first year, so I'll be starting my second year. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Um, I'm actually a third generation homeopath once I complete. Yeah, so my dad's a homeopath currently, and then my grandfather was a homeopath. And um, so, so it's really exciting because I feel like I'm, I'm getting some of the old stuff, like the classical stuff, and understanding it in a very different way, combining it to like what's currently um, being taught, and also um, it's just a new experience. I feel like we're at this we're at this um, divide where allopaths, like people who have are used to doing allopathic medicine, who are tired of you know of that experience, and now they're looking at uh, homeopathy and other experience and. My name is Jonathan Kagner. I'm from New York, uh, and I'm a first-time attendee at the conference. Um, I'm a student of the International Academy for Classical Homeopathy, uh, and I'm actually a winner of the 2019 Vital Forces Scholarship. Great. So tell me about winning that award. What was involved? And it was an opportunity for me to talk a little bit about what it would mean to attend the conference and you know, my experiences with homeopathy. and. Uh, which is something that I'm very passionate about. So the opportunity to come here and spend, you know, uh, entire weekend with all of my, you know, homeopathic idols uh, and all stars like this has really just been amazing. You know, this is a like a true fanboy experience, kind of, <laughs> you know, meeting all the people that you've read their books and you follow their, you know, cases. So this has been a great opportunity for me. Great. Well, tell me more. Like, what what brought you to go to homeopathy school and and a little bit about your story. Sure, so um, I'm a parent. Uh, my wife and I have two uh, beautiful daughters. Um, uh, Dylan is eight and Hayden is two. 
and you know somewhere you know as a first-time parent you know somewhere along the line along the way we kind of had apprehensions and doubts about uh, the type of care uh, that we were receiving and I had uh, spent some time in Facebook in a, in a group um, for children who had eczema and there was a homeopath uh, her name was Mel Dupree and she was offering to take cases of children who had eczema uh, because that was something that she had suffered from from when she was a child and in working with Mel at first uh, I really just kind of picked up on this and got like you know the homeopathic bug of just wanting to read more and learn more and just after a while, I just decided to throw myself 100% into this. What have been some highlights for you so far? I mean, we're halfway through. Sure. So obviously, obviously the the, the live uh, video stream with George uh, from Alonosos was uh, you know a huge highlight for me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and my classmates who were all here, which was really great. Um, the uh, the the Sankrin session, the first one from the first day at 9 a.m. was really really awesome because he really kind of touched upon the the spirituality of of this which is which is really great because we you know we obviously talk from the health perspective almost the medical end of end of things but when he's talking about the spirit and and where things emanate from it really did uh, resonate with me uh, as someone who appreciates that kind of uh, that that line of thinking so that was a great one as well and then and then you know, Miranda Castro in her Brain Boosters session was fantastic because I've been a huge fan of hers for a very long time. Um, you know, I really did appreciate, you know, her kind of talking about cell salts and their effect on the brain. And it was just, it was very interesting to learn. Um, and it's just, it's been great. I'm looking forward to the next Sankran session as well. And uh, there's a whole bunch, I mean, there's, there's been a lot. It's been really fantastic. I'm Sarah Aragon. I'm from the National School of Homeopathy. Great. Are you having a great weekend? I'm having a wonderful weekend. I wish they did it every month. Wow. <laughs> Pass that feedback on. <laughs> What's so great about it? Um, well, oh, being around the most brilliant minds in the medical world <laughs> is really wonderful. Um, and just sharing almond milk while you get your coffee uh -huh. is really great. <laughs> but then also sharing case studies is uh, very eye-opening in your methodology studies and uh, being able to just take everything back to clients and immediately make an effective change in their lives is really wonderful. Yeah. Are you, how much more time do you have in your studies? Uh, I have two years at Nashville and then um, one year at AHE. We have a uh, program with them that will transfer there to finish. Oh, for your clinical stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great, great. I'm doing some teaching for them right now. Oh, how wonderful. It. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> did you have a chance to sit in on Denise's presentation this I morning? sure did, oh, yes, good. for that reason. Yeah, great, good. I loved specifically her work with the homeless and that she was able to do follow-ups and uh, really see a huge change. Yeah. Those were phenomenal and I'm really hoping to do something like that in Nashville. We have a really huge homeless population, and uh, sex trade is really big there too. And it, it's that you do have a captive audience because there are a lot of homes that are helping people um, tra 
you know, uh, tra- transition right. from that lifestyle, and I feel like homeopathy can be really huge in that area. Yeah, good. Yeah. Awesome. Well, good luck with that. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. So my name is Rochelle Jean Paul. I travel from Norwalk, Connecticut. I am a third year student studying naturopathic medicine at the University of Bridgeport School of Naturopathic Medicine. Oh, great. <laughs> You're the first oh, yeah. any student I've met. Yes. Oh, cool. Awesome. That's, that's pretty nice. But um, yeah, I'm very much interested in homeopathy. Uh, I could see myself like doing other schools, well, concurrently with my naturopathic medicine program. So I'll be probably joining like Nesh or something like that too. Right, great. Yeah. Are there any other students from your program who came? Uh, this time, no. Uh, we're gonna have probably a good handful of people going to another conference that's happening in October. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be in Virginia too. But yeah, this is just me. Alone this time. <laughs> so you've had some understanding of kind of the the homeopathy education in a naturopathic program as you get you know maybe one or two semesters just really basic. Mm-hmm. So what what is your training so, been so far? I've had one semester and I have potentially three more to go. Uh, usually my school definitely does three, but we're trying to get uh, a fourth class. My class really does love homeopathy. Um, we are taught by. So far, uh, Dr. McPherson, Flo McPherson, and she's just very inspiring. We really love her, and she just brings the information so clearly that it's captivating, I would say. That's awesome. That's so good to hear, because it, it seems like, I mean, from naturopaths I know who are practicing, um, that you know, people really fall into kind of different modalities, you know, through school, you know, people really gravitate towards botanical medicine or acupuncture or, and the homeopathy people are often kind of like this really small group, you know, people are like, why are you doing this? But you're saying a lot of your classmates are really into it. We're definitely like, I want to say in love with it, just based off of how she presented everything, the cases that she, she taught us, it's just remarkable to see that people are healing from chronic, scary conditions sometimes too. So, yeah. and she's even helped some of us in nice. the process. So, yeah, it's that's really great. great. Mm-hmm. So, how's the conference been for you so far? So far, so good. I actually did come this morning. Okay. Uh, I wasn't able to come yesterday because I had clinic. Yeah. Um, but I really like it. It's giving me a lot more insight of how to dose. Uh, that's always been a concern or a question yeah. that I've had. So, I'm getting other people's feedback. Uh, and hopefully presenting that to her, asking her questions, my, my teacher, mm-hmm. um, saying like, how, how do you feel about this? You know, will this work? Um, I'll eventually do a shift with her too at school, so I'll get more experience with that too. Right, cool. Yeah, yeah. I like it. It's <laughs> great. And how does it feel like, so it's a, I mean, I, it feels like they're really working towards making the conference feel really welcoming towards people who are not just, you know, mm-hmm. primarily homeopaths, people mm-hmm. or NDs or nurses, or, you know, how does that feel to you? Oh, it definitely seems very diverse, I would say, because we've got speakers that have all these different letters, including ND. We've got nurse associations downstairs, too. I was originally expecting it to be filled with homeopaths, but it's... I'm pleasantly surprised, actually. Uh-huh. I will say that. That's great. Mm-hmm. Good. Is there? What are you looking forward to this afternoon? Just learning as much as I possibly can. I have no specific preference. I really just want to get my eyes open to what this world can offer me because I know I'm going to be using it in my future practice. So whatever comes to mind. Great. Great. <laughs> Definitely. Good. Teachers also have high expectations for how the conference will influence their students. 
I checked in with Tanya Kell, founder and principal teacher at the Nashville School of Homeopathy, as well as the current president of NASH. Do you come here for yourself, for the school? Like, what, brought, what draws you to the conference? Um, my training was at the Pacific Academy of Homeopathy, and the first year of school there, the NCH conference was in San Francisco, mm -hmm. and we all went and it became a tradition for me from then on. It wasn't required, but um, I've been showing up at NCH conferences since I was 21. <laughs> really? Wow. So you're a long-time regular. Yes. That's awesome. Yep. Um, and I found it very valuable. I loved the community. I loved talking with people. I loved seeing a sampling of teachers from around the world. And so when I started my school with Carol Crohn's, we decided it would be a requirement for our second and third year students um, to go to the NCH conference. Uh, Pacific Academy had such a wide array of teachers, um, both the faculty and the specially invited seminars, and we couldn't provide that between the two of us, and I knew that it was very, very important for a well-rounded homeopath to have exposure to many different voices, and this was my method of getting that exposure to my students. Yeah, so you have students here this weekend? I have 13. Fantastic. <laughs> I mean, say a little more about what you think is beneficial for students in coming here, because, you know, they're going to, there's it's so many different levels, there's so many, like, different um, you know, people coming here from so many. I mean, we just had Richard talk to Richard Pitt for a few minutes. I mean, he's doing this amazing right. stuff in Africa. So, who ran Pacific Academy, and who was the person who interviewed me when I did my cases for CCH? That's so he cool. was administering the test, and he did the phone interview after you passed your test. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. it was very exciting to see him. Cool. Cool. <laughs> I am a non-linear thinker and teacher. I go from very advanced concepts and deep dives personally and spiritually to very simple how to use Arnica um, in one sentence, I may. So uh, I expect my students to be very mentally flexible by the time they're done studying with me. Um, so it's great that there are different levels and I let them pick what they want to dive into and hopefully since this is the end of the first year when they've all come, that I've mentally prepared them to be able to soak in some of that information. And also, if the concept is beyond them, to be okay with that and just to jot a note and maybe come back to it later. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's great. So they, they kind of have had some exposure to, you know, they haven't just been in the training wheel, so to speak. They've been using the whole... Yes. Um, I'm very clear from the beginning, practitioner development is a core pillar in homeopathic education. And so breaking up all of your walls, trainings, beliefs, um, biases, prejudices comes first, and then we regrow a bunch of neural pathways uh, in homeopathic thinking. On Sunday, I finally caught up with Denise Strages and Alastair Gray of the Academy for Homeopathy Education. AHE is an entirely online platform, so encouraging students to attend the conference is a place not only to expand on the curriculum, but to enhance the community. Education and training delivered via video is a hot and timely topic, and while it's been around in various forms for years, it seems to be truly finding its stride now with live platforms such as Zoom. 
It's an especially beneficial avenue for homeopathic studies because we're such a small population still and geographically distributed across a huge country here in the U.S. The ability to attend class in person is an opportunity afforded to only a handful of schools. It had been such a busy few days that by the time I grabbed a seat next to them, coffee in hand, we were all a bit punchy. (laughs) (laughs) This has got a lot of editing here. This is a great interview. <laughs> Dude, shall we switch? I can ask terrible. you questions. <laughs> All right, let's get around. You guys had a picture in 10% of the conference of your students, which is That's awesome. That's right, yes. They were everywhere. We had a big turnout. They were, they were everywhere. They were. Oh, yeah. I loved it. It was so fun. Alumni, we had live students. I mean, students that are <laughs> alive. We, we rarely bring the dead ones. <laughs> <laughs> We, it's really bad for we business. Had, um, we had first-year students, we had second-year students, we had folks that were in a clinical program. Mm. It was awesome. It was really and awesome. And they're all uh, ecstatic to meet each other because, of course, they met each other, but only virtually. Yeah. So there's always that excitement. It was cool. But it was, and, and that, to that point, I mean, and I, and I heard that not just with, you know, AHE students, but other people, like, just how exciting it was to meet people that they knew online. Mm. And it wasn't like, I only know you online, so I don't really know you, and I can't yeah. talk to you. I mean, so I think there's there's so much question about, do you make real relationships? Are your friendships real? It's like, of course they're real. It's totally. a real person, isn't it? Yeah. And so, and it, yeah, it just well, fe- it felt it, really natural. That interesting, to... because two of our students that started in January have obviously just struck up a real a friendship, and they're yeah. just, they're thick as thieves, aren't they? They're yeah. wandering around arm in arm together. <clears throat> but one lives north, one lives west yeah right yeah yeah california and somewhere else i mean it was just it's cool it is cool. it's yeah. so cool yeah and i think part of it is video because you actually can see people yeah. and because everyone is in there we call it the home classroom and so you actually get a window into people's lives which i i think we get to know people sometimes even better than we do in an artificial classroom environment because in your authentic environment <laughs> you're sort of behaving you know you know the people who always have a kid on their lap yeah. or have... and, and, and sometimes it's curated you know the background is really curated and perfect yeah. And, yeah. and we've got our people that have their stationery lined up by color and all of the books uh-huh. are just so... right you really get to know people's ocd and, <laughs> and sometimes there's kids and nappies flying uh-huh. around the background and it's the awesome. odd husband or the you know yeah, like we have a student in uh, Tuesday night cohort whose husband must come home from work at that time and gives her a kiss every time. Yeah. It's adorable. It's actually really lovely. It is. It's really we, sweet. At one stage last year, we, we created the four o'clock um, screenshot because oh, right. all for some reason all the kids would come home. Oh. And so, you mm-hmm. know, we're in the middle of a class and, it, you know, we're serious about what we do. But still, you've got to... Acknowledge the moment, and so there's two kids running around here. And yeah, the kids come in from the bus, and they yeah. come and they give a little hug. But so, do you funny. encourage students to come? I mean, what is your conversation with students around the NCH conference, and what do you say to them about coming? Do you encourage them? We Does do. it play into? you know, an opportunity to meet in person yeah. against the it virtual... It does. Look, that outweighs... Do you, are you okay if I go? Yeah. Yeah, sure. that, the, the community and the networking outweighs anything else. Mm-hmm. So that's crucial. You must go. Because there's something about finding your team, finding the community. I mean, I remember um, finding the... I studied in the UK a long time ago, so I went to my first conference. I couldn't believe it. It was like walking into Disneyland. Yeah. It really was. <laughs> yeah. Of, you know, people and luminaries and, and students and the same thing crucial for my, me and my yeah. development but um that to offset that we do find sometimes that we've got to 
almost defragment or decompress after a conference because so many students at different phases of their learning have been exposed to advanced ideas yeah. and sometimes there's there are speed bumps and speed wobbles yeah. afterwards but you know that's easily ironed out but yeah. it's worth you know it's worth mentioning i mean that's part of the thing mm. of teaching students to be critical thinkers is that they can they almost can put pause so that they can integrate things when you know when it's more appropriate for them mm. but what, just to go back to what you were saying about importance of community coming to the conference i think the other thing is a lot of the, the homeopaths that present or who are here or people who have their um, booths are people that when you're starting out in homeopathy are like your superheroes. You know, Last night we had dinner with a group of friends and I was sitting with Miranda Castro and we were just having a laugh because her book, the I don't even know what it's called, the the the, the one that's like the Bible for moms and homeopathy. babies, mom, mom, mother and baby, homeopathy. mother and baby. Yeah. That I was already a homeopath when I had my kids, and that book was like my Bible. And I remember the first time I met her, it was like meeting a rock star. I was like, she's a real person, you know. It was so great. It is cool. Isn't it? I just love that part of it. Yeah. So there is something almost mythical about the you know these people that write these books that when you're just you know starting out to study homeopathy you can't believe anybody actually knows all this information and then you see them in person and have a drink with them it's so it's so this community is so it, it's got such unique characteristics the demographic of the homeopathic community <laughs> and the psychographic of it you know what i mean yeah and i think um for students i mean if i was you know in, in my first semester at, at school, I, I would be walking around boggle-eyed and just... It's true. Going, wow. Because th this is a bunch of unique, like individualistic people, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm the same to people, because this is, this is my first conference, actually. And it's I think I'm really struck by the how multi-layered it is, how much is happening at the same time. There's totally stuff saying that you're not seeing. It's like it's yeah. like you got inside the machine of homeopathy right. here. That's right. the washing machine. In, in, in American <laughs> homeopathy. But I mean, this is where the inner workings are happening, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like there's, mm. there's so much. There's the sessions, but then there's so much happening outside the session. You know, you re you realize that this is going on everywhere. Yeah. With a different yeah. flavor, slightly yeah. different flavor, and I just encourage people to travel. You got to travel. It's true. Well, I, and that's kind of what yeah. I want to like communicate through the podcast because you know it's expensive and taking the time, and so I think there's almost like what what's going to get you over that hump to to set the money aside to make right. the time, mm. and I think for for me it's like over the course of the weekend, like I'm getting to this end, and I'm being like, oh no, I'm totally going to come every yeah. year. It's and it's and it's understanding the the connections and the opportunities and really that it's it's I don't know it's a professional um, it's the place where you, you get the inner workings I don't know this is almost like um, there's always a party there's some kind of activity happening that's really lively I just feel like that's a little bit different here I mean and you were talking about how multi-layered it is mm. you know and it's true the the students are at here to attend every session that they can. Right. Our, we had a bunch of our graduates who were, um, a couple of them said, I'm really sorry I'm not able to come to your talk because we're dividing and taking notes so that we can all share information. Oh, stop. That's adorable. Isn't that so cute? <laughs> I love that. I'm like, you see enough of me. I'm really okay with it. But, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but further to that, the, you know, the, so the students are all attending as many sessions as they can, but then you see people who are in various organizations or who are you know, here and having meetings, like the lovely Tanya Kell just stepped up from president of NASH. And so, you know, there will 
be, you know, seeing each other not just socially, but, you know, being in various meetings because everybody is here in the same place. And you can really get a lot done. Community, a multi-layered experience, coming full circle. Each of these themes emerged as I wound my way through the three days of the conference. Whether talking to a presenter who recalled their early days coming as a student, like Tanya Kell, or those committee members and advocates who are working behind the scenes to organize and progress the profession. It becomes clear that like a remedy for the whole person, the conference is an experience for the whole profession. Officially marketed as a professional development opportunity, the JAHC is a hub from which many spokes of the homeopathic world in the U.S., as we know it, revolve. Of course, the professional development aspect of the conference is first and foremost, and the intention, planning, and work that produce an exceptional three-day program are not to be overlooked. I wanted to make sure that I took a few moments to talk with the members of the planning team, the organization that supports the National Center for Homeopathy, and they're the ones who are responsible for making sure that all the gears integrate and the experience is seamless. Sure, my name is Jessica Dockerty. I'm the meeting manager, so I organized this event, and we're from Mount Laurel, New Jersey. Nice. So you work for an organization that helps other organizations put on these conferences, right? Correct. So I work for Association Headquarters, so we're the management company. We manage, well, Association Headquarters manages over 40 different associations, so NCH is just one of our partners. Have you worked this conference before? I had. This is my second year. Uh huh. So I was there in Phoenix. Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. That must be so interesting, putting on conferences for different groups. You know what? It's very interesting. So I've been with Association Headquarters for over four years now, and I've worked on a various different clients. Um, nurse. Right now I work on nurses. I work for transplant surgeons pet sitters there's all different associations so it's very interesting to see like the dynamic and putting things together in like different ways that better suits um each community yeah and you work pretty closely with the organization right oh definitely yeah. so um especially with the program planning committee so with this they do have a designated um committee just to organize the event so we work together along with my assistant Jennifer yeah yeah so I mean I don't want to assume that homeopaths may be a little bit different to work with but I don't know <laughs> is there anything different or unique about this conference or the people who show up or just the nature of it <laughs> definitely um it's very so I'll put it in relation to maybe other um I don't want to even say medical mm -hmm. fields but it's definitely, I also food is different. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, so one of my biggest challenges is, and I love doing events and whatnot, because I love food. Yeah. And one of my biggest challenges is definitely the menu for this event, because um, there's so many different um, dietary needs. So maybe, and it's healthy, definitely. So like vegan menus, um, vegetarian menus gluten-free so it's kind of interesting it's um maybe one of my biggest challenges but then when I get it right it makes me feel good is nice. definitely the menus mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. but I think also the um overall feel and community of this group I think is completely different than anything else that I've ever done um it's more of like everybody is just looking so yeah, we have credits. Yeah, you go to the sessions and 
to get your continuing education credits, but I don't think that's the main focus here. Where at other conferences that I do, it's like you just go to sessions and then you're done. I think here it's more so everybody trying to just come together. There's such an excitement to just see each other, and that's a different dynamic than I'm used to. And mm-hmm. it's and everybody's just so friendly and just happy people that yeah. um, even if the room may be cold. Yeah, <laughs> they're still happy because they're just together. It's definitely a different experience. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think are kind of the the biggest things that happen behind the scenes that like conference goers are not aware of? I don't think they realize. Um, well, I don't want to say realize, but there's so much planning that goes into this. Like I recall actually in Phoenix in April, sitting with the program chair Lori Grossman at the bar right after we celebrated the mm-hmm, conference mm-hmm. on Sunday, similar to today. And we were planning 2019. Like, we were like, all right, we know um, what worked, what didn't. Let's try this. Let's try something else. Um, and just starting the plan. I don't think they realize that it literally takes over a year to put this whole thing together. And there's so many, like, diligent hours with the staff and then also the program planning committee working with the speakers we secure them um at least a year in advance we work with them about their talks um we start building the program it takes so much time and so many hours but um it all comes together at the end and it's just awesome to see like these literally a year of planning or something so exciting yeah and you even have less than a year now until Orlando. yeah yeah so exactly I can imagine that's even already underway yeah I think it was um interesting so last year it was in April so we kind of had more than a year to get it together right, right. and so this year it is going to be less but I think if we just hit the ground running um we actually this year we instituted a program planning meeting on site so we met um, on Friday afternoon, we had lunch together, and we started to just discuss, all right, well, let's start 2020. What do you see here already? Um, right when we get back to the office, <laughs> we'll probably be discussing, we'll have a meeting starting in July just to start 2020 and just to get the excitement, because I think that's the best way is like, once it's over, it's not over, like, right. let's keep building the excitement for the next one well the feedback I have gotten as I've wandered around as people are just thrilled like especially one of the main things that comes out is like it feels really different that people really notice that things that they wanted to have different are Mm -hmm. different so I think there is a sense that the community feels heard in terms of their needs and that 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 action was taken and that's the biggest thing yeah I know um definitely for this year in specific um, we really tried to mend those relationships. So if you didn't know, we, as AH, we started, I think we started managing them a little over two years mm-hmm. ago. So there was a previous management company, too, and we really wanted to just mend the relationships and mend the community together so that we can have more people come together for this conference and um just be overall excited and I think that definitely shows um there's people that have returned that haven't gone to one of these conferences in like six years or so and they really wanted to come here and they're just happy that they did yeah yeah 
Well, it's it's been really it's been really great. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. So one last question. Do you use homeopathy at all? I actually okay, so <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's funny. So maybe about um three well no, actually so since December, what is it, June now, I went away for um, my anniversary mm-hmm. and I got really, really sick, like a cold sick. And then ever since then, like, I've not necessarily a cold, but I've had like these allergies. Mm. And I remember talking to Lori Grossman and Lynn Wagner, who are the program chairs for next year. And I was like, I can't be sick for this conference. Like, I need to get my act together because I knew I was going to be running around. Like, mm-hmm. I needed to be the best um, how possible. And they're like, all right, well, let's try. <laughs> so um, Lynn actually asked me. She didn't do my full case. Yeah. But she did um, ask me, like, a lot of questions to try and figure out, like, what remedy would be the best. And I started trying different ones. And I took um, boron, sav. Savadilla? Yeah. yeah, I actually have it in my room just in case. Yeah. But yeah, I took it maybe for not even four days mm-hmm. and I was completely like, awesome. it was crazy. And my husband's like, okay, all right, like, yes. Yeah, but I've never actually tried homeopathy prior. I didn't even know what it was prior to working on this conference. And then now, like, I have my cafe cruda. Um, in my room too so like, nice. I could sleep so yeah it's interesting I've learned a lot working here that's great <laughs> a little perk of the job I know I know um, well we're nothing if not evangelists so yeah no, I've noticed <laughs> nobody escapes yeah <laughs> no I mean I believe in it it works for me and I tell my friends about it so great awesome yeah well, you're doing a great job I know yeah. that you only have 11 months till the next conference but I, I hope know. you get some Thank you so much. And thank welcome. you for your time. Yeah. <laughs> if you go to Orlando in 2020, and I hope that you do, be sure to thank Jessica and her team for setting the stage for the magic to happen. Speaking of stages, who's on them? Here is a rundown of the program. On Friday, the day before the official conference began, there was a full roster of offerings. Friday is a day that reaches out to consumers and those individuals who are just learning about homeopathy and are excited and ready to learn more for their families. Though the sessions are designed for newbies, they were taught by some of our most recognized teachers, Karen Allen and Miranda Castro. Karen ran a session entitled Homeopathy 101, Fright, Shock, and Head Injury, Strategies that Can Heal the Brain. Miranda taught brain boosters, covering the use and benefits of cell salts to brain health. Simultaneously, Rajan Sankaran packed the main room for back-to-back sessions on homeopathy and mental illness. So for people who wanted all three days of the conference, they had something to choose from on Friday as well. And after lunch, George Dimitriadis conducted part one of his two-part session entitled Pharmacography, Pure and Applied. Amy Rothenberg and Paul Herskew took to the stage in the afternoon for an extended two-hour keynote entitled Landscape of the Mind, The Promise of Homeopathy for Cognitive and Emotional Health. At the dinner hour, the exhibit hall opened with 39 booths with representatives across the homeopathic spectrum, from professional organizations like Achina, homeopathic schools, pharmacies, software developers, and more. But the offerings didn't stop there. The evening continued with two movie screenings, a 45-minute film on homeopathy for health in Africa, 
followed by Scylla Watcott's film on homeoprophylaxis called The Quest for Real Immunity. On Saturday, the early birds had the opportunity to join Sunrise Yoga at 6 a.m. and attend the NCH member breakfast at 7. The presentations were also off to an early start, with George Vathulkas' live video stream beginning at 7.30. At 10.30, though, the tough work of making choices began, as three sessions ran simultaneously. Denise Strages' Improving Clinical Outcomes, Homeopathy for Brain Health, Elizabeth Rice's Treatment of Anxiety and Depression in the Adolescent and Young Adult Population Using Classical Homeopathy, and Iris Bell's video presentation, Adapting Conventional Waking and Sleep Electrocephalographic Methodologies from Neurophysiology to Study Homeopathic Remedy Effects. The second session set of the morning before lunch included Gregory Pais's Overcoming Multiple Sclerosis with Hanumanian Homeopathy, Sujata Owen's Skillful and Successful Long-Term Management in Five Pediatric Autistic Cases, and Manfred Mueller's Interweaving Strategies to Achieve Best Outcomes in Brain Health, Cases of Brain Hemorrhage, Dementia, Multiple Sclerosis, Obsessive-Compulsive Disorder, and Parkinson's Disease. Lunch was delicious and varied. Jessica definitely met the challenges of the diverse community needs, and it was another packed afternoon. Alicia Gonzalez's Depression Secondary to Childhood Sexual Abuse. Todd Rowe presented Using Brain Sarcode Remedies in the Homeopathic Treatment of Mental Illness, and a second showing of Iris Bell's video presentation. Rajan Sankran conducted a second session that filled the remainder of the afternoon, entitled The Art of the Follow-Up Session, Combining Homeopathy with Complementary Therapies. The conference wraps up by, on Sunday by 12.30, and attendees again had the chance to do yoga at 6 and meet others for breakfast in the exhibit hall. The final sessions were single offerings, first Kimalia's The Brilliance of Hanuman in Modern Day Practice, and George Dimitriadis wrapped up the JAHC 2019 with closing keynote, Pharmacography, Pure and Applied, Part 2. So there was lots to choose from, and a broad enough range of offerings to appeal to all the homeopaths in attendance and their diverse leanings and practice styles. My priority at the conference was to talk to people and to take it all in as a whole, so I didn't have the chance to attend nearly as many sessions as I would have had I come without the intention of podcasting. It was just as fun, however, to check in with practitioners who came for a reason, for a certain teacher, a specific session topic, because they were drawn to the whole theme of mental health or because they were looking to level up their own practice and understanding in any way they could. Different than the students who are wide-eyed sponges, the seasoned practitioners know that a session can help them solve a case or understand an aspect of case analysis that may make a difference for a patient or learn a new remedy that could do the same. In this way, the experience of the JAHC takes on a deeper importance. My name is Paul Faust. I'm a naturopathic doctor from Towson, Maryland. So I'm local to this conference. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I was interested in attending to sort of get reinvigorated with homeopathy and and, uh, look for ways to integrate that more into my naturopathic practice. Oh, okay. So, of course, you were trained in homeopathy and naturopathic I was trained through Bastyr University, you know, and sort of classical Hanumanian homeopathy. But then, you know, after graduation, attended numerous conferences, mm-hmm. uh, and I've really liked the previous conferences I've attended with Rajan Sankaran. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, when I saw he was one of the keynotes, I particularly wanted to attend, and then 
Uh, Miranda Castro was actually one of the teachers when I was at last year. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. How long have you been in practice? Uh, 18 years now. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So are you finding that, like, like to what, what percentage have you used homeopathy in your practice? And it sounds like you're trying to increase mm-hmm. it more. I use it with every single patient. Oh, okay. Yeah, I call it my, uh, my secret weapon, my miracle maker. Uh-huh. So every patient, whether that's what they come in for or not, is getting some homeopathy. Okay. Uh, so it's I, I consider it, and I tell people because as a naturopath, I have a lot of tools at my disposal. Yeah. From uh, botanical medicine to nutrients to lifestyle, and I say if you were to reduce me to one single thing, it would be the homeopathy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know I don't make a much ado about it because you know people still mostly don't understand what it is, and then right. when you try to explain it, it doesn't win them over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just like you know just trust the process. Um, it's the easiest thing to do and by and large most of my patients will do it and you know they it, it makes everything else they do that much better right yeah yeah but you said you're looking to reinvigorate in a way so what does that mean well it's sort of you know you're out there as a sole practitioner in the weeds you know I don't get to uh, you know bounce ideas off of other practitioners as much as I'd like to mm-hmm. and so hearing these cases really helps me Think of my case taking, you know, right. how I'm using the Materia Medica. Uh, so that's kind of what I'm looking at. It's, it's easy to kind of fall back into some patterns. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to do that. I want to, you know, keep it fresh. Right, right, yeah. So aside from Rajan, what else are you looking at um, attending while you're here? Well, I always like to go to the exhibitor uh, or the, um, the vendor exhibits, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of see, you know, what's out there, what's new. Um, but really, that's I mean, I don't, not to you know take anything from the other presenters, but that's that was the key draw for me. Sure, Rajan yeah. and Miranda. Yeah, and so what did you think this morning? Of oh, that? awesome per usual. I yeah. mean, fantastic. So I signed on for the the Monday and Tuesday sessions as well. Oh, okay. For cool. him as you know to get you know more in depth. Yeah. Uh, but he, I thought he was just you know great. You know, I you know I just could hear that all day long. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I've never done a, a whole like a several day conference with him, but I have heard him speak before, and he's really, really good. I love how relaxed he is. It doesn't feel like a Mm-mm. like a presentation. I was saying to my friend, like I feel like I don't even know that he really needed to prepare for that. It was just kind of like I, I'll tell you. I'm just gonna tell you something interesting. A story. I was in uh, attended a conference in Florida when Hurricane Wilma came through. Uh-huh. I don't even know what year that was, but it was quite a while ago, and we lost power for two days. And so he had, couldn't use his computer, didn't have the video, and you know he was able to go through his entire material just in the dark up at the front of the room. Wow, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so <laughs> I, got, I got so much out of that. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Oh, that's really cool. Where did you travel from? Ohio. Dayton. Is this your first time at the conference? No. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. It's the first time in a long time. I went. First time was when I was a student, like my first or second year, my first year of, of education. Uh huh. Wow. So back in 2012 or 13. Oh, okay. So that's a big jump. What made you come back? I'm just getting back into it. You know, yeah. it just when you're in school and everything, it was just hard to the funds and to come. And I had kids at home. I yeah. just couldn't. And so now that I'm really starting my practice. More involved. Good, good. Is there anything you're particularly looking forward to with regards to the program? 
All of it. All of it looks really good. Yeah. Nothing in particular, no. Are you excited about the topic, the brain health? Yeah, exactly. It's great. And they got great speakers and topics and great. So, yeah. Great. And just seeing everyone and connecting and connecting to people and, yeah. Yeah. That's another big thing. Hi, my name is Deirdre Brownback, and I traveled from Louisville, Pennsylvania to be here today. Great. What brought you to the conference? I'm a practicing homeopath, almost, we shall say. I'm in supervision, and I've been studying homeopathy for many years, and I'm just looking to get to know other homeopaths and be able to continue my education. Where are you studying? I'm studying at the Canadian College of Homeopathy in Toronto. Great. How's the conference been for you so far? So far, so good. Um, I'm excited to see some of the tracks tomorrow, I think. Mm -hmm. And more about, I'm interested in a lot of the childhood developmental illnesses, autism, mm -hmm. asthma, so I'm interested in that track tomorrow. My undergrad major was in psychology, so I'm kind of developmental psychology, so that, that's kind of what piques my interest. Yeah. What's been the benefit for you? So you at that time, and what drew you back? I think just really the just meeting other homeopaths because I live in a really rural area. There's not a practicing homeopath I would say within two hours of me that I know of. Mm -hmm. um, so just connecting with people, with my classmates, um, with teachers, and yeah, really just seeing what other people are doing in this small world of homeopathy. What are you hoping to take away? That's a good question. Um, mostly, I think, just making connections with other people. Because as I'm trying to start my practice, I just have a lot of logistical questions and questions. I don't know. I don't know. That's a hard question. But just, I guess, mostly just making connections with other people yeah. who are in this field. Because I do feel kind of isolated where I am. I'm in California, Salinas, California. Oh, great. Yeah. I went to school at UC Santa Cruz. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Love that area. You are a slug, right? Oh, a banana slug? Yes, <laughs> yes probably. Probably. Yeah. Hi, I'm David Kirk. I'm coming in from San Diego. What brought you guys to the conference from the West Coast? Well, so I have a private practice in San Diego, and I spent my passion is really mental health. And I do work a lot with, I'm a naturopathic doctor, and I do work a lot with homeopathy, is one of my modalities. The fact that this was blending both of them, I've never been to a, a conference, I've never been to an NCH conference, this was my first one, and when I found out that this, that's what this focus was, I was like, oh, how cool, that's like, kind of like the, the merging of my two things that I like, so um, I actually applied for a scholarship to come here, and I got it. Oh, congratulations. Um, so here I am. Great. Yeah. And how has it been? It has been good so far. I um, I am very pleased that I came. Good, good. What have you sat in on? Like, what sessions have? Um, well, I just sat in on Greg's talk on MS, yeah. and I thought that was phenomenal. Mm. He's great. Um, I just met Greg yesterday. We got dinner together, and I just met him yesterday, and I really vibed with him. And I was like, yeah, we really want to check it out. And I thought his talk was phenomenal. Um, I really like the, the kind of classical style that he, I tend to vibe more with the purely classical homeopaths that are here. I really like George's talk yesterday. Mm -hmm. I, I love his attention to detail and his meticulousness. I think he, he crushes it. 
Yeah, yeah. Nice. Great. Mm. And yourself? Uh, I think this is the third NCH, um, the uh, JHC that I've been to. I try to come as often as I can. Mm -hmm. And um, the topic of brain health, uh, definitely need to be exposed more to how uh, treating things like autism and you know working with my patients uh, is always challenges. I need to get a lot more exposure to that. Yeah. yeah. And are are you a, a straight homeopath or ND also or? No, I'm a medical doc MD. Oh, MD. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the practice is pretty much classical homeopathy, mm -hmm. and then of course dealing with people making transitions from. You know, regular prescription medicine and disease management, trying to get people transitioned to health yeah. and, um, you know, using mostly class classical homeopathy. Yeah, yeah. So do you, do you feel like there's enough for you to choose from that kind of fits your particular interests and practice styles? And In what way? Like here, um, you mean? Yeah, like, um, you know, speaker options and just, you know, overall. Oh yeah, I'm I'm really pleased with uh, uh, who they brought in this year. Um, I think you know next year they're bringing in um, Andre from Montreal, and that's a big draw for me too. I've spent time with him up, up in Montreal, and I okay. think I think he's a G. He's a gangster. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm I've been having a good time. It was like for me, I what a lot of this was was kind of like my. I wanted to connect with people and see other people that were doing the same thing. Sometimes I feel like I get a little isolated in my own private practice. So a lot of this was kind of like networking with people. Like, sure. yeah, I met I met Dr. Rosette here uh, on the first day, and I was like, wow, you know, here's like this MD guy from Salinas who's practicing right up the coast. classical, and my sister's from there. We had all this stuff in common. We're like, oh my god, hey, you did, you know? So it's cool. That that has been a sense of community. I guess has been really important yeah, for me important. In, in, uh, in, in, in bringing me here. Community. I heard it over and over again. Everyone was loving and thriving on the sense of community and all aspects of it, connecting with old friends and colleagues, making new ones, and just soaking up the experience of being surrounded by other homeopaths and lovers of homeopathy. I found it to be a place where all the different aspects of my own homeopathic community came together, Students I teach, other teachers I work with, guests who I've interviewed for the podcast but only talk to online, and listeners of the podcast. What a cool sense of integration and wholeness. Saturday night was a special evening, the awards reception. The NCH honored four individuals that night. Paula Brown of Americans for Homeopathy Choice received the Martha Ullman Community Service Award. Gabrielle Traub, founder of the World Homeopathy Awareness Week, received the Henry N. Williams Professional Service Award. And Dana Ullman, a fixture of many decades in the community, was honored with the Julian Winston NCH Service Award. And finally, Iris Bell was the first recipient of the new Peter Fisher Memorial Award. I had the opportunity to talk with all of those who were in attendance. Iris Bell accepted her award from a distance and delivered her speech via video. But Paula Brown and I had some quiet sit-down time in the afternoon before the awards ceremony. Okay, so I'm sitting with Paula Brown of Americans for Homeopathy Choice, who's flown all the way from Budapest to be here. That's right, yeah. What brought you all the way over across the pond? Well, um, several things. You know, ever since our Homeopathy on the Hill event, which has been just a raging success, um, 
things have been heating up and I just thought like, okay, this, this conference is here in Baltimore. DC is just an hour away. I can definitely meet with some offices and kind of maintain some relationships there, keep the ball rolling as far as homeopathy on the hill went. And then, um, then I had this really nice award and so I decided to come, so. Awesome. Are you able to partake in any of the conference? Um, so far I have not yet. I have a lot of meetings scheduled with different um, parts of the homeopathy community and so I've been pretty busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I hope to. Yeah, yes. yeah. So your profile is just kind of rising. You know, you're on the front lines of all the FDA stuff, but you're having a lot of other meetings. Like, what else are you working on? That's all I'm working on. Um, so you're meeting, you're having meetings and doing things with regards well, to... I think one of the reasons I think the consumer voice is so powerful is... On the one hand, we have like nothing to benefit from this advocacy work. You know, the FDA likes to think like they don't realize how wonderful our pharmacists are and our practitioners are. They're really into this for, for the right reasons. But conventionally speaking, you know, a doctor stands to benefit and a pharmacist stands to benefit from any ad- advocacy work for their product, right? Mm-hmm. So the consumer is obviously super neutral. But I think what's really powerful about a consumer stepping into an ad- advocacy role like this, like all of our moms have, like, you know, is because I don't know the the perspective of a homeopath because I'm not a homeopath. I don't know the perspective of a manufacturer because I'm not a manufacturer. And so as I work with the FDA, I'm constantly thinking, okay, I need to learn about if, if this avenue of solution is beneficial for the practitioner and the homeopath because if, if they benefit my moms and our consumers and my women and men that consume homeopathy, we benefit. So that's what I'm spending time doing is, you know, kind of, doing like take people's temperature and check-ins and and this is where the discussion is going and how do we feel about that and I listen and I learn because um, I would not know how to do what I'm doing if I weren't connecting with them. Yeah, yeah. What's the relationship between Americans for Homeopathy Choice and the National Center for Homeopathy? Like how do you guys work with each other, support each other? Yeah, it's it's really friendly. Um, We Actually, there's an, a, an informal group. It's called the Homeopathy Advocacy Working Group. Mm-hmm. Um, it's lovingly called HOG. <laughs> <laughs> and so we have been meeting um, monthly for almost a year. And for a while there, we were meeting every other week. Mm-hmm. And, and the National Center for Homeopathy actually hosts that group. Um, so they send out the reminder emails and everything. And the purpose is to bring all these organizations together, including Americans for Homeopathy Choice, and it's an advocacy working group, right? So we're looking at what can we do to protect, defend, and empower homeopathy. And as Americans for Homeopathy Choice has kind of risen up out of nowhere, they have they have seen you know the influence of consumers, and they've been really really helpful in supporting, communicating. So a really great example is you know Congressman Biggs debated um, an amendment to the appropriations bill on the House floor. And I needed to activate, you know, consumers to send letters to Congress and ask them to support this amendment. And, um, you know, through NCH, through the advocacy working group, we were able to, we got 45,000 letters sent to Congress in 24 hours. Wow. And that in large part is to, you know, NCH kind of setting up that working group so that I could have access to, and we have a relationship of trust. I always say we can only work at the speed of trust because we came out of nowhere and who the heck is this group, you know, and so we've gotten to know each other through this setting. And when I, when I needed their help, like last week, 
they gave it. So have any of your, um, like people you've been involved with that are really active with America's Premier of the Choice come to the conference? Like are there moms who have come? Because I know yeah, they, they are, are trying are. to reach. They you know, are. They really are trying to reach more moms. And if you're a mom or a consumer or a person listening to this, I think that, you know, you should really look at, you know, getting your girlfriends and coming to next year's conference because obviously this one's happening right now, but I've seen a handful of moms that live in the area or like one gal, um, Erin Grossi, she uh, she has parents that live in this area, so they were planning a summer trip here anyways, so they planned it during the conference so f for her to kind of step and see, and they have these really great morning talks, and um, I, yeah, I, I would like to see more, but you know, it is really hard for moms to leave especially mothers specifically because and we're not just moms um, we have women and men different consumers but it is hard for the, the moms to leave their kids um, most of us have younger kids I mean I left my kids at home in Budapest with a babysitter and actually she didn't show up the first day because she had the stomach flu and a fever so I call my husband it's like three in the afternoon in Budapest I'm like hey how's it going he's like yeah the babysitter didn't show up the kids are home alone I'm like what? <laughs> so I mean I, I struggle with that too but I think um, I think that you know it's exciting to see NCH like really seeking ways to connect with consumers because they want you know they are a consumer organization you know NCH technically is and so they're looking at ways to you know and, and we are also a consumer organization but our focus is advocacy right. not quite so much like heavy on education we do a little bit but you know yeah yeah so imagine we meet again okay. next year yes. at the conference. All right. In your kind of perfect world, what would you like to be talking about next year? Like if I asked you to reflect back on the year and kind of what mm -hmm. happened and what transpired. I would like um, to know that, uh, that the, the draft guidance is no longer a threat mm -hmm. to homeopathy. I like to see that that gets pulled off um, in a way that we are okay with it, you know, um, and that uh, we have, you know, the, the generic problem going on in Capitol Hill, not just with homeopathy, is that federal agencies are regulating via guidance. So mm -hmm. there's, here's a little civics lesson that I had to learn in this role, is there's laws, and there's laws are created in three different ways, through court through uh, Congress or through regulation, which is what like an agency like an FDA does a regulation. And that's the official rules that they need to follow by. So those are the three different ways to make laws in, in each branch of the government, right? But then what, what happens is um, FDA has these regulations, for example, and they'll create a guidance that says, this is what the law means to us. And as long as their interpretation of the law is in line with the law, then we're good to go. But then they do something like a draft guidance that is not in line with the law, and it totally reinterprets the law yeah. in a way that has never been reinterpreted. That's like passing a law without going through the proper channels of creating a regulation. Right. And so um, my concern is let's you know let's say let's let's like speak big. And the the draft guidance is no longer a threat. They release a guidance that we're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't want to be back here in 15 years because they released another guidance. Right. That is bad again. So I would like to, to move it on to legislation and make this something that sticks, you know, um, and something that is, is permanently good for homeopathy for generations to come because a law is really hard to undo, which is why homeopathy is a drug. It's defined in the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, and that is really hard to go back and delete. Yeah. So.
It's an acute and chronic problem, really. <laughs> and we're trying to solve the chronic disease. That's right. That's right. Heal for the chronic disease. Only. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Good. All right. So a year? Anything else? Um, a year from now, I would like to be having a bit more time in my garden. <laughs> You know, and and spending time with um, with my family, but I definitely feel that this is an area where um, we're going to be successful. And just so you guys know, you listeners out there, when Americans for Homeopathy Choice asks you guys to do something, know that it's not like we really hope this happens. It is a necessity. So I just want to review like the ways that your listeners have been successful. They have been writing Congress when we've asked them. They showed up to Capitol Hill when we've asked them. They have. Um, you know, donated when we've needed it. And I just want you guys to know that I can only go as far as you guys let me, and, and our organization can only go as far as you guys enable us to. And I really think, Kelly, that we have the best group of consumers in the world. Like, there's people that love organic, there's consumers all over, the homeopathy consumers are the best in the world. They're just the most dedicated, the most wonderful, really great people. So. Thanks. Okay. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. I was also thrilled to have some time with Gabrielle Traub, the founder of the World Homeopathy Awareness Week. I admit I felt a bit embarrassed that I didn't know the origins of World Homeopathy Awareness Week, and it was an honor to meet Gabrielle, and I remain inspired by her initiative and vision. Gabrielle shared her acceptance speech with us so that you all, the listeners of 1M, can be inspired by her story as well. My name is Gabrielle Traub, and I'm a classical homeopath. I work at San Diego Homeopathy in San Diego, and I'm receiving, I'm the recipient of the Professional Service Award this year. And one of the reasons I'm receiving the award is for the work that I've done with World Homeopathy Awareness Week. Um, I'm actually from South Africa, and after practicing in South Africa and London, and then moving to the United States, I was dismayed about the lack of awareness there was around homeopathy and I wanted to do something about it and I wanted to try find a way of creating awareness but when I do things I like to go big and I wanted to create on a global level and hence World Homeopathy Awareness Week and the World Homeopathy Awareness Organization was born out of that and we celebrated every year on April 10th to the 16th, beginning on Hanuman's birthday. And it's really exciting because every country has a different mm -hmm. cultural expression. And the way that they express World Homeopathy Awareness Week is very different. Um, some do television, radio, and social media. Some do talks or documentaries. Um, and many countries um, put together community clinics helping people in need. Um, they some do art shows and musicals and theater. We provide the infrastructure while trying to facilitate as much creative expression as possible. Um, in Australia, they created a huge banner across an intersection, like this giant banner of a busy intersection. In Pakistan, one year, um, they created relief camps for um, earthquake victims, treating 400 patients a day, and they actually received a humanitarian award by the Pakistani government. So all wow. this stuff is really, really exciting. Um, but in the beginning, when I was creating this organization, I faced quite a lot of challenges along the way. And one of the biggest challenges was creating trust in organizations who didn't know me to follow my lead. And they were working with different countries, different cultures, different languages, different customs. There were a lot of challenges there. 
I remember somebody made a derogatory remark um, about me one time. They said, where did Gabrielle come up with her organization at a kitchen table? And that was pretty much true, except I didn't have a kitchen table or a kitchen for that matter because I lived in the studio apartment at the time, which I loved. Mm -hmm. But that's really how this organization was born. Just, but I had so much help. I worked for so many amazing people. You know, once we got enough people enrolled, there's something called the tipping point, and yeah. then everybody wants to be part of it, and everybody's excited. You just have to get the ball rolling. And we had these powerful people like Lori Grossman and Nancy Gales and. Gene Hoagland, all these amazing human beings um, had to work with me and mentor me and help me, which was amazing. In Norway, we had a, an amazing homeopath, um, Peter Vuxvian. I worked with Amina Sabri, and um, she, she was in Egypt. I mean, we just have the most amazing people in the homeopathic society, and it was really fun and exciting to work with them. And what I learned along the way is how important it is to support the ideas of new homeopaths who have fresh energy and excitement mm -hmm. for homeopathy and to encourage full creative expression even when I couldn't yet envision how an idea could work. You know, somebody would present an idea to me and I'd be like, oh, that can't possibly work. And then they ended up doing it and it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so we, we all come from different perspectives and different cultural backgrounds and to allow people to express things in their own way is the best way to, to create any organization. Um, I also realized that many organizations are built up by a, a small group of extremely capable, productive people that do all the work and get themselves burnt out. Mm -hmm. But really, I wanted to create something different. I wanted to create an organization where I created as many leaders around me as possible. And in the beginning, in the United States, it was so great. We were instilling leadership in all these amazing homeopaths who stepped up to the plate. And before we knew it, there were like heads of you know, these leaders in every, you know, many, many different cities around the, around the country, and it was so exciting. Um, homeopathy, the World Homeopathy Awareness Week was very inactive for a few years. And recently, just the last couple of years, the NCH took over leadership, which I'm so excited about because they're reviving it here. But it's certainly active around the world. I've learned that we are always more powerful and effective when we work together. And when we work together, anything is possible. Finally, I sat with Dana Ullman, who is a fixture in the homeopathic community, not just among homeopaths, but as an outward-facing advocate for homeopathy. He was also a part of the early years of the JAHC conference and continues to pioneer opportunities for individuals to find and use homeopathy. So I'm sitting with Dana Ullman, who you probably don't need much of an introduction. Most of my listeners Actually, people, people still don't know who I am, I don't think. Okay, so give us a little introduction then. Well, I got involved in homeopathy at a bright young age of 19, and uh, in the process became very compelled by the history, the art, the science, and the spirit of homeopathy, uh, and uh, sought to educate people and use more modern and user-friendly information. So I've written 10 books in the process, and compelled to... Uh, publish other colleagues books so in the process of published 40 books of our colleagues with a fellow Berkeley company called North Atlantic Books mm -hmm. which wow. it gets the books distributed by Random House and, and Putnam Penguin and um, so those are books by Whitmont and Herskew and Hershoff and 
um, you know, some of the great homie epos, modern books. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, the, of the books I've written, the Everybody's Guide to Homeopathic Medicines is the most popular guidebook in homeopathy. And it also gives guidelines at what point a person should consider getting some type of medical care or at least some medical supervision to find out what's happening. Yeah. Uh, and then a book on homeopathy for children and infants. And my newest book uh, was The Homeopathic Revolution, which is that book about famous people and what their experience with homeopathy was. Mm -hmm. Because I find that uh, many of the heroes that we have in our lives, whether they be from politics to corporate leaders to religious and spiritual leaders to literary greats and sports superstars, mm -hmm. you know, what get, has gotten them to perform at their highest level? And it's amazing how many people acknowledge homeopathy as an important part. You've been coming to the conferences for a while? Are you a regular well, attendee? Well, I used to be the head of the conference for 15 years. Okay. Uh, so that was like from 1987 to 2001 or something. Uh -huh. So I, now I've been coming to these you know, yeah. since the 80s. So sure. yeah. What was it like in the time when you were running it? What, what were you kind of... What were your goals at that time? What was kind of like the where the energy was at that time in terms of the conference and what people wanted to dive into and the needs you were trying to meet? Well, you know, one of the things, um, you know, we, we'd always have a couple tracks, one for people that were more introductory and then one for people that were more advanced because we wanted the National Center's conference to be uh, of interest to everybody. And... Um, and then, actually, during my uh, reign or, or leadership, uh, we decided to uh, co-involve the leading homeopathic organizations and not have it be just a National Center for Homeopathy Conference. Mm -hmm. And being from Berkeley, you know, I, I, I don't need to be a leader. I can just be a coordinator. So I simply created a group of people and we democ dem democratically voted on you know the speaker the speakers that we wanted i'd make my recommendations but everyone would make their own recommendations yeah. and so um i'm real proud of that evolution um and uh i don't have any problem sharing power because what i'm doing is i'm sh uh you know you're, you're getting more minds to think together and um at least during my time and I think up to the present time you know there weren't any people that were obstacles that were being difficult it was a really a collaborative model mm -hmm. and I still try and work from that point of view mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and so you continue to come back what, what do you get out of it personally well you know ultimately it's great to see old uh, friends and colleagues that have been coming for years mm -hmm. and at the same time you know I, there's a number of new people that I've met that are very passionate uh, it's sweet uh, having people come up to me and say, you know, that my books and my writings have been very instrumental in their initially learning homeopathy or continuing to take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. And then my newest gift to the National Center was is, is that, um, you know, this is, we're beyond the, the book era being the 21st mm -hmm. century, that people like to learn not only by the written word, but by video. So in the last several years, I created an e-course called Learning to Use a Homeopathic Medicine Kit, where I or bundled this e-book that I had written, and I'll talk about that in just a second, with I, I actually created 80 15-minute videos that explain what homeopathy is, 
how to find the correct single remedy, uh, and then how to treat um, many common ailments that are a part of using a homeopathic medicine kit. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought that even people that were familiar with homeopathy, that they would benefit from seeing how someone who's been teaching homeopathy a long time, how he presents information so that they get their own inspirations, utilize what they, they that ring true to them. Uh, because what I try and do is uh, I find that to get people to use a homeopathic medicine is so important because a personal experience will take them to become more passionate about it. Mm -hmm. But how do you get them to that place where they'll actually take it? You do that through science, making reference that there is, uh, that people know that there's three to four hundred studies published in peer-reviewed medical journals. Uh, and two, that they learn because someone that they know and they, they, they personally respect, their own personal hero. Um, and when they find out that they use it, that becomes an inspiration. Um, so those types of things lead people to experiment with homeopathy, then to have a positive experience, and then become committed to it. And, um, you know, so it, it's not just information is is what you hook onto the information in terms of of um, information that people can trust and um, and so that's what I try and do uh, and I encourage other people to uh, utilize these uh, educational strategies to turn more and more people onto homeopathy. I've tried to give you a sense of the spirit, the history, momentum, and potency of the JAHC conference. It's really impossible to encapsulate such a dynamic event in just over an hour with clips and excerpts of conversations, though hopefully, through listening to these voices, you felt a bit of that vibration that is the homeopathic community when we all come together at this once-a-year event. And like any community and long-time event, the conference has had its ups and downs. Some years when it felt a bit flat for some, missed the mark for others. What do we do with this as homeopaths? Well, just like with our patients, we listen to that vital force. We hone in on what's being said, on what we might have missed. We reevaluate and we look again. Since this was my first conference, I don't have another one to compare it to. Though from the stories of those who have returned year after year, I developed a deep appreciation for that journey and evolution. So it was fitting that my weekend ended sitting on a couch in the lobby with Miranda Castro, who witnessed that journey, and Lori Grossman, the woman who was the shepherd who brought it through. I'm going to close this episode with their words. However, they aren't the last words. There's another side to this conference, and that is the organization that holds it all together, the National Center for Homeopathy. Because there would be no conference without the National Center for Homeopathy, and it would do a disservice to the organization and to the event to mush them together. They are inextricably linked, and yet... They each have their own standing within the community. So be on the lookout for the publication of the next episode, and that one's going to showcase the National Center for Homeopathy and all that it has done, is doing, and endeavors to accomplish. So now I'm sitting with Miranda Castro. Hey, Kelly. Hi. Hey. How was your conference? Oh, man, it was great. I mean, I, it was wild crazy great the best this reminded me of the olden days you know six eight maybe a little longer years ago we used to have busy fabulous conferences where people were happy there was a 
fantastic vibe of coming together, learning. It was juicy and exciting. We haven't had it in years. It kind of fell, this conference fell into the doldrums mm -hmm. and it got too expensive and it got too this and too that. And, but this Laurie Grossman and Deb Dutnick, the new head of the new management company, these two women transformed this conference into the vibrant, lively, exciting meeting that it always was in the olden days and hopefully will continue to be so. I mean, I had a couple of booths in the vendors hall and we had a fabulous time there. You know, there was enough space for people to come in and for... <laughs> I might have given 300, hugged 300 people this weekend. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty much hugged out, you know. I never, never thought I would say that, but it's, it was that kind of energy. People were really happy to be here. I, I didn't hear any complaints. That's mm -hmm. so rare, isn't it? Yeah. Super rare. Yeah. People are so grateful to be heard. Laurie listened to me. She's a master listener. Yeah. Deb Dutnick listened to me. She's really good. And that, that, the team that ran the conference, all those young peeps, they were great. We had a nap. We had, you know, it, we got with the program. Yeah. A great thing with this conference, which is that you have rank beginners, people who've just found out about homeopathy who know absolutely nothing. You have home prescribers who've been doing it for months or years, who are um, members of maybe Mary Aspinwall's Facebook group or Paula Brown's Americans for Homeopathy Choice. They're, really keen and they you know they've been giving remedies to themselves and their families they they're really good at it you've got that crew you've got students of homeopathy from you know one of the many schools in this country who at various levels first second third year students who some of whom are really switched on you've got new practitioners people who've been practicing five ten years professional homeopaths like myself, naturopathic physicians, medical doctors, nurses, I mean the wide range. I yep. mean it really, there isn't another meeting like this in the world. Yeah, yeah. And so for it to succeed, man, that is great. How are you feeling this afternoon? I'm feeling great. It was yeah. a great conference yeah. and I love the fact that Everybody from all the different organizations and from all the different arenas of homeopathy came together and really put their heart and soul into the conference and it was a real positive experience for everyone. That is by and large what I heard. Yeah, there was times when it wasn't so good when I took over as conference chair. That was about the peak of the not so good time. Uh-huh. And um, at our last conference, there were some strong criticisms, and at first it was really hard for me to hear. Mm -hmm. And then one day I just said, okay, I'm gonna listen. Yeah. 
And so I made a list of all the criticisms and I said, okay, and I just went from the top to the bottom and I said, okay, so how could I remedy this? And how can I remedy that? And the more that I worked on the remedies for the criticisms, I realized that the criticisms were well found. And that by listening to people who were unhappy, they helped me improve the conference. And they helped me improve it far greater than I ever thought possible. So um, when there were people who said, well, none of the speakers really reflect the way I take a case. I then thought about that and I thought, well, actually, maybe all the speakers were kind of, you know, skewed in one direction. So how can I make that group happy by, by diversifying the speakers? And how can I reach out to different kinds of practitioners and practitioners with different kinds of licenses? And so I, I interviewed many, many naturopaths and I, it was like, who do you want to hear? And I interviewed many licensed homeopaths and who do you want to hear and some of the nurses they had you know specific requests and then I think my smartest move was when I realized I couldn't solve all the problems myself and I reached back into the experienced homeopathic community I reached back to Kim Alia and Miranda Castro and Amy Rothenberg and Paul Herskew and people who've been in practice a long time and I asked them how do I how do I solve this I knew I didn't have all the answers but by reaching back to people who've been in practice for a long time who've educated numerous students who've represented many different companies over the years and exhibitors and vendors they everybody pitched in to find the solutions that all I did was just bring all the solutions together. And the best part was that when you bring the solutions together, it made people feel heard, it made them happy. And that happy, joyful, positive atmosphere enhanced the improvements. So it, everything built on everything to really tip it over the scales. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't just like we had more people, we had more people who were happy. We had more people who were happy to see other people. We had more people who wanted to tell their fellow classmates. I mean, as an example, some of the administrators or teachers from some of the schools were so happy with some of the improvements that they told all their students, you have to come to the conference. Right. And then many of them couldn't afford the conference. So we asked some of the more solid um, sponsors can you provide scholarships? And they were happy to. So we really had a community that worked together. So next year, I hope we build on it and make the connections even more intertwined. The world is ready for us now. That's also, and I think that, you know, for the first time ever, the pharmacists and the manufacturers, they met here at the conference. Right, right. You know, we had different aspects of our community come together for the first time ever. And I attended the reception for the pharmacists and the manufacturers, and they were delighted to be here. They actually invited an FDA speaker to attend their conference, and they felt like there was tremendous growth brought he brought brought to the fore by the increased communication. Mm -hmm. 
And I think we're at a point now where the more we communicate and the more we share with each other, the more we're going to grow. Yeah. I think everybody was growing in their own pod. Mm-hmm. We, we, that's where everybody, the pods are all exploding. Mm. The spores have burst, or rather the puffballs have burst, and now the seeds are all intermingling, and we're, we're going to be able to move together more efficiently and more effectively now. Most homeopaths practice alone. I have a son who's a physician. He did his residency with hundreds of physicians. He did his fellowship with hundreds of physicians. He works in a hospital with probably thousands of physicians. I work alone. Me, one person. So that when I have a great day, I don't have hundreds of colleagues to celebrate it with. When I have a challenge, I don't have hundreds of colleagues to celebrate it. So we have one time a year to get together, to give each other a hug for the battles that we're going through, and to pat each other on the shoulder to celebrate successes. And both need to be honored, and we need to be together because we're, we're, we're still a whisper in the wilderness. And when we're together, we don't feel like it's a whisper. For, for a weekend, it feels like a, a battle cry. Mm-hmm. And we need that because we feel heard when we're together. And then we can go back out there and do our thing. But we need to come together once a year and say, I'm here for you, you're here for me. And that gives us the strength to carry on. It was. You are. I could cry, you're so wonderful. She's rescued this thing. She really did. Thank you for being so 